Hello and welcome to the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast Series. This episode titled First Flight Lures Winter Rigs. We're going to be talking to Gene Holland of First Flight Lures. We're going to be talking to Zane Long, pro staff of First Flight Lures, also captain, Falling Tide Fishing Adventures. And we're going to be talking about the swig, swing jig line. We're going to be talking about the ledge tender line. And we're going to be talking about design, differences in lineup. We're going to talk about target species. And then we're also going to be talking, of course, about fishability of these rigs, about application of these rigs. I'm Gary Hurley of Fisherman's Post. Fisherman's Post has been serving the saltwater fishing community of North Carolina since 2003, bringing you fishing reports, fishing information, fishing tournaments, fishing schools. And now in this latest chapter, a saltwater podcast series. It is in this saltwater podcast series that we reach out to our captain and guide friends uh, from up and down the North Carolina coast and ask them to share with us, you know, their insights and knowledge on how to catch more fish more often. And then we also just like to put in there that the true goal might not be just more fish more often, but also just giving you confidence for you to grab, you know, family and friends and spend more time on the water more often. I'm joined this week, just as I am every week, with my podcast partner, Billy Thorpe of Thorpe Creative. Welcome to another episode, Billy. What's going on, Gary? Good to see you, man. Good to see you too, man. Good distance. to see you. From a distance. Good to see you. Yeah, not my top choice. We'll, we'll get back to being together again soon enough, but today for remote, I think we can make it work. Yeah, man. Looks good. Sounds good. We'll make it happen. So, Gary, hope you've been doing well, man. Hope you've been catching lots of fish, because I haven't, but whatever. It is what it is. I'm looking forward to it. Maybe after today's episode, I'll be, like, like confident again. <laughs> so, anyhow. Yeah. Well, man, I want to, first of all, just give a shout-out real quick to Marine Warehouse Center for being sponsors of the show. Really appreciate those guys uh, coming on board and sponsoring the Fisherman's Post podcast. Got a quick uh, video from those guys. We'll be right back. As you know, it's been a great year for boat sales. However, it's been really tough for customers to find boats in stock. We're the headquarters in Wilmington, North Carolina for Pear Customs, Sailfish, Sea Chaser, and Carolina Skiff. Our manufacturers are telling us the high demand for boats is going to affect 2021 inventory as well. So if you're looking to get a boat in the spring, you need to come sign up with us now. Go get a boat. Better hurry. I love those guys. Yeah, man, they're awesome. Always and, doing good work over there. And I bet you think I'm getting ready to tell you a bad joke that Terrell told me this past week. I got my sound effects ready, Gary. Well, I'm not going to tell oh, you a man. bad joke that right. Terrell told me this past week. And it is because Emmett, I think, is a little jealous from all the attention that Terrell's gotten. The other owner, Emmett, is a little jealous. So he's been blowing up my phone, lots of text messages. And uh, he said he had a joke he would rather share with us and for me to back off a tarot a little bit. All right. I'm in. So I, I want you to tell me who you think is a better joke teller. Here's what, em here's what Emmett came up with. A boat carrying blue paint collided with another boat carrying red paint. Both crews are missing and believed to be marooned. Marooned. <laughs> 
All right. Is that a dog barking in the background? No, <laughs> Bert. All right. Yeah. I I told Emmett you should leave it to Terrell to tell the jokes, but yeah, Emmett. It, I think that, Emmett's ego got in the way. I think his ego Emmett, got in the way. You sell boats. Terrell tells the jokes. All right. Keep them happy. Terrell, keep them happy. Emmett closes the deals. That's how it works. Good part and this is the part where we say, Billy, please show our audience a fishing photo. Here we are. We got Valerie Souch with a 22-inch black drum cut on the bottom rig with fresh shrimp while fishing inshore in the topsail area. Good-looking black drum. Really good-looking black drum. Yeah, man, good for Valerie. Good to get out there catching some fish, man, and, you know, timely. As we're going to talk about, you know, black drum are going to come up tonight when we're talking to First Flight Lords, Gene and Zane. And uh, so, yeah, man, I thought that was a good photo selection for yeah, the podcast series. Absolutely. Um, give me some uh, watch to li- what to wa- how to watch how to listen, and then I'm going to introduce our guest. All right. So if you're watching, you know how to watch. If you're listening, you know how to listen. But if not, here's some other ways you can interact with us. We're on Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, uh, Apple Music or Apple Podcasts rather, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Uh, Gary, we hit a thousand subscribers a couple weeks ago on our YouTube channel, so uh, we are super excited about that and appreciate everybody. Uh, joining us for not only being a subscriber, but joining us on our live show. It was super fun. So, yeah, man, it was a good time for sure. Yeah, I agree, man. I agree. I'm excited about a whole new year. You know, 2020, I thought, was accomplished what we wanted to accomplish. And, you know, number one up there, having a good time, still doing that. And now I hope, I hope these guys, Gene and Zane, continue that good time. I have a feeling they are. I have a feeling having two of them talking there is going to be a good show. <laughs> And so before I go to Gene and Zane, Billy, even though it's a new year, I still have you set up for Billy's best takeaway. So when I'm finished talking with Gene and Zane, coming back to you for Billy's best takeaway. I'm glad Got we it? kept that segment. I was nervous you're going to pitch it this year. Who knows? Well, you know. <laughs> I appreciate the Christmas gift you got me, so I wanted to keep hey. I wanted to keep that segment. Hey, no big deal, man. No big deal. Oh, it wasn't a big deal. It was actually almost too modest of a gift, but whatever. We'll talk about it later. Gene Holland and Zane Long, welcome to the show. Let's bring you up. Let's bring you on screen. All right, so Zane, give us a wave so we know who's who. And Gene, give us a wave so we know who's who. And again, that's Gene Long of First Flight Lures. That is, I mean, Gene Holland of First Flight Lures, Zane Long, pro staff, and also fishing Tide fishing, falling tide fishing adventures. I need to get tight here at the beginning of the year. Hey, welcome to the show. Looking forward to talking about the swing jig line, the swing jig line, the ledge tender line. This is like a Dr. Swords. But as is tradition on the podcast series, we ask you to qualify yourself first. I'm going to go to both of you for qualification. Gene Long, Gene Holland, why should we listen? Gene yeah. Holland. Why should we listen to what you have to say about making fishing lures, the manufacturer of first flight lures? Really and truly, man, there's there's not much I can say. Uh, we try to build a great product for, for anglers, something that's going to catch fish. Um, Zane is a testament to that, as well as some of our other pro staff that um, unfortunately can't be here with us uh, due to distance. Uh, although we are distanced apart with our uh, podcast tonight, but Really and truly, we try to develop our lures. We try to work with our pro staff. Um, we listen very well to our pro staff. And 
we try to build a, co a quality lure for the customer. Zane Long, Long. As, is, as is the case, you know, Gene got in the fishing business and it reduced his fishing time. So we got you on camera here, Zane. Why should we listen to what you have to say about using these first flight lures? Well, um, thanks for having me, first of all. Um, yeah, I've been I've been doing this type of fishing for a long time, man. It's it's uh, I feel like every uh, captain has its has its thing that kind of gets them going, gets his creek flowing, if you will. Um, and this is what does it for me. And I, and I and I look forward every year when I can spend some time targeting, you know, the fish that you would target with these jigs: um, black drum, sheep's head, tog, redfish. Um, and I and I I think I do it I do it well and. And um, I definitely do it often, um, and I feel like I'm just can get. I'm here to offer any knowledge I can, um, just to help you guys out and share the share share the wealth. All right. So hey, it is tradition on the Fish Post podcast series that we give you a second question, a non-fishing related question, and I will be disappointed if neither of you knows the answer to this. And so I'm playing off of first flight lures, the two of you. What year did the Wright brothers make their first flight? Ooh. Come on, Gene. First, you got it. Hold on. First flight lures. <laughs> Man. I, that's, a, that's a good one. Uh, I was not prepared for that question. I will openly admit it. Let's go I back to talking about this. Yeah. I, I well, run into buildings for a living and, and fish and build fishing lures. Um, I am definitely not a history buff. Man, I, I'm, I'm stumped. You tell me. I will tell you, I will tell you that the first flight happened in 1903, first flight lures. But now let's go right to fishing. All right. So my understanding is we're going to talk about a couple of jig lines, a couple of lines of lures. We're going to talk to Gene about the design, the concept, the plan form, and then we're going to move into Zane with more of the application and the fishability of it. And as we talked about, we're calling this first flight lures winter edition. However, Certainly, these lures can be used year-round, but since it is winter right now, and winter is what Zane is putting them in the application, we're going to focus the fishability part on the wintertime application. So, Gene, I'm coming to you. Let's talk about the swig jig, the swing jig line first, please. Tell us what it is. Give yeah. us a demo. I got you Give good fun tide, don't I? Um, yeah, man. We, uh, we brought this concept in. Um, it's nothing new. It's something that's been used in bass fishing for years, um, but it's never really been big in this area as far as saltwater fishing. So we wanted to bring it and uh, put our unique twist on it. Um, we partnered with uh, Owner Hooks to start this um, to try to give a good quality jig that was going to hold up really well to basically the rigors of what we're going to put it through. The... Uh, Original line started from half to uh, one and a quarter uh, with a two alt uh, Gorilla Light owner hook. Uh, it is a free swinging hook. Uh, we have one tied up here so we can show you uh, kind of how we tie it up as well. Um, well. Yeah, let's let's see one because what I need you to do, because we have watchers and we have listeners. So if you would hold one up for the camera, just, just so we have a point of reference. He's, he's going to be a van of white for me. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> Hold it up there, and then get in a little bit close on that, Billy. Yeah, perfect. All right. So, so it's, it's a little interesting to actually see. So when it's actually rigged, and I'll grab the rigged one here. 
When it's actually so reading, give, give of it. I'm sorry, man. Remember, we have listeners as well as viewers. So first, describe that first rig to me, and then we'll talk about rigging it. Right, right. Um, basically, what you have, and that's what I was going to show you with the with the tied one here. Um, you have a free swinging hook that's on a wire form uh, that runs throughout the lid. Uh, it is a football shaped head. It allows it to hold really well in current. Um, and where we're getting at with the with the free swinging hook, and you can see it with the one I have rigged. I'm not really showing you how to rig it, but um, you can actually see that the hook, if I can get it over here, the hook yeah. actually free swings below the weight. So you can see the line comes off the top. Um, what that does for us, it does a couple of things. The, the, it, it allows us, one, to be able to throw this pretty much wherever we want. Um, fishing in rocks with a fixed hook or a Carolina rig, uh, you have a lot of problems with snagging. Uh, with the treat jigs, with the free swinging hook, most of the time, if you do snag, it's uh, pretty easy to just kind of pop it and it comes right out. Um, I actually met Zane through the company. I didn't know him prior. Um, and his ability to move from traditional Carolina rigs, like everybody pretty much uses for these species, to a fixed hook design, and then moving over to our design with the swing hooks, um, the ability to the hookup ratio and the ability to snag less lures and fish longer it is huge. The other thing too is, and we're all familiar with it. I grew up fishing Carolina rigs as well. From a, a captain's standpoint, if you have a rig on the boat and, you, and you, your customer throws it in, they snag it and they break it off. We've got to we got to put an egg sinker on. We've got to put a bead on. We got to, you know, hopefully we've pre-tied some rigs, but we're going to, you know, have to tie it to the swivel. To where with these, they're a, they're a single tie point and a free swinging hook. So basically you pull it out and you just essentially would be tying to a swivel. Uh, there's just no swivel. It's a direct line. It's a straight in line hook. Um, it just works so much better and it's so much quicker. So when you break off, you're, you're right back in the, in the ability to fish pretty quick. I follow. So you said up front, a half ounce to one and a quarter ounce. Is that where you started or that's where that's, you are now? That's where we started. So we originally started, we were doing half to one and a quarter. Um, that quickly, when we got up around the Noose River, uh, Noose River bait and tackle, we moved it down to a quarter. So now we do quarter, half, three quarter one and one and a quarter one and a quarter is currently as large as we can go with the with the molds that we have um but we haven't let that hold us back when it comes to our swing jig line and then you mentioned that the shape of the sinker helps hold in the current better can you talk about that a little bit more it's a football shaped head uh it's got one flat area so when it actually sits and it's, it's kind of hard to sit it zane's gonna try to use his, his cell phone here so you can see that the flat spot of the, the uh, jig will actually allow it to uh, to sit on the bottom, leaving the hook point up. And then when you actually lift it into the current, that hook will swing free underneath. So it, it works good both on the bottom and holding. And the football-shaped head, it's going to turn in the current, and it's going to hold in the current. It's not going to spin or anything like that. It, it holds real well in the current. And then 
when you were designing this, because I think well, I liked on our sort of pre-show talk, or at least a couple of days ago, where you said, "Man, I had this design in mind of how this hook would be, how this rig would be used." And then there's, you know, people get more creative with the application of it. So your design was you put it, you can fish it anywhere. You can cast it more accurately than a Carolina rig. You can put it right in the rocks. Is did I hear all that correctly? That's pretty much the concept. Um, now, with it being said, this is this is a Design and fishability, I guess, design is a is a loose term when it comes to this. Um, the actual jig mold itself is not first flight lures design. It's 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 a it's the more the application that we decided to use it for is where we got into our design phase of it. Um, most everybody can can kind of see and everybody has their twist on different lures as they go and that's one of the biggest things again the swing jig forms has been something that's been around for years it's just been something that's mainly been freshwater and bass based small mouth small mouth based right yeah so let me go to you zane so how are you using this rig again as as we mentioned i'll let you say again that you use this year rig year round but we're we're here for sort of focus on winter fishing and the winter application so give us a little bit about how this thing plays out. How would you use it? Absolutely. So fishing this thing in the winter, I'm, I'm using mostly crustaceans as, as for bait. You know, I'm targeting um, fish species that are eating crustaceans, um, redfish, uh, tog, uh, sheep's head, black drum primarily. And there's always a few bonus species in there. Um, the grunts eat the crabs and everything as well. Um, I'm most of the time, you know, this time of year, 60 degree water temps and dropping, I'm fishing near shore, um, in the one to five mile range, um, you using, you know, anything from live fiddler crabs, mud crabs to chunk blue crab, as well as, um, fresh shrimp and, um, you know, different spots, different bait. Um, m most of the time I'm, um, I'm trying to fish these vertical and, um, that's when I feel like you're getting the, <clears throat> you're fishing these more, most effectively when you're fishing them straight up and down. And what that allows you to do over say a Carolina rig, um, or anything that's going to have a, a moving weight away from the hook is, is you're going to be able to stay in contact with this, you know, a hundred percent of the time. I feel like it's the most effective way to do this type of fishing. Um, speaking on to what Gene was, was saying earlier, um, what, you know, I guess made me fall in love with these is, is being able to not fish them vertical and not risk losing the hook or rig every time. If you take a, um, let's, the, the raw jetties and riceful, for an example, if you take a Carolina rig, rigged with a fiddler crab and chunk that in, you know, towards those rocks, I would say like, you're doing good. If you get that, if you get that rig back, you know, may, maybe 20% of the time, 30% of the time, it's just, it's just really hard to do. And you lose contact with what, with, uh, you know, the bait in a hole, you know, you're, you have so much scope in your line and, um, with, with these, you're able to, you're able to chunk them up in there and, and you're, you're only, the weight and the bait is one thing and you're able to feel where you're at and you can almost bump it like you're trout. Like I, if I'm tossing these in there, I'm, I'm almost like trout fishing with it. You know, like 
I know that sounds weird, but you're able to feel it drop off of the ledge, and now you just you let a little more line out. You're able to be in contact with your bait, you know, much more. Well, man, uh, I'm going to follow up with a couple of questions. So first, I'm going to keep you right on the jetties. So here we are, you know, in January, January, February. So what what exactly are you targeting on the Masonboro Rocks in January, February, or even March? You know, maybe a little bit more specific about target species, what kind of bait you're using. I know you mentioned three different crustaceans, but how about if I zero you in to, like, my best chance of using that rig successfully on the Masonboro Jetties in January, February? Right on. Yeah, so so January, February, I'm going to be um, I'm going to be fishing with pro probably chunk blue crab. The fiddlers or mud crabs can be can be a bit more scarce this, this time of year. Um, and um, you're you're targeting the bigger sheep's head. Um, tall talk um, blackfish is what some folks call them. It's a uh, <clears throat> uh, primarily you know, we're, we're on the southernmost range of where those fish are coming from. So you're catching, you know, definitely a migratory fish species at that point this time of year. They're they're coming from, you know, Jersey, Maryland, up, you know, Chesapeake Bay area. We're catching those fish. Um, the, the black drum, you know, you catch you'll catch the big ones and you'll, you'll catch um, some some decent sized ones. I feel like the numbers at this point this time of the year have going to be moved into that near shore one to five mile range you're definitely still um you know can always run into a, a redfish um at the jetty any time of year but in the winter time you can run into some good numbers of them um and and you know you'll catch you'll catch grunts and ringtails along with it but mostly we're going to be targeting the the tog and the in the and the black drum sheep's head um, follow up. You like moving tide? You like an incoming and outcoming? Anything like that? Um, book a trip. No. <laughs> um, right, yeah. So different scenarios. Uh, for for any you know, if we're talking about an inlet, you know, you're probably going to have some sort of moving tide most of the time. Um, slack tide can be good for you know getting to the spots that are a bit harder to fish when the tide's ripping. For sure. I mean, you you can definitely still catch them at a slack tide. I like to any type of uh, when I'm fishing with crustacean, I, I try to have some current, whether it be near shore or in an inlet, um, just just so I can, you know, you're 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 fishing with your chum essentially, you know, you're you're fishing and you're build. It's it's called building a bite. It's you know very common to the near shore, offshore people. Um, you're 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 fishing with bait, and you're missing fish, and that that smell of the bait that you're fishing is hopefully getting carried down to another part of structure or be it a ledge, um, near shore bottom, any, anything like that. You know, you want that scent traveling down the current. So you want to have some current for sure. And so how about a little bit more on the near shore action? Are you fishing wrecks? Are you fishing hard bottom, you know, ledges? Like what's the ideal January and February one to five mile range, you know, bottom sure. to target? So I would say a good place to start is going to be your, um, you know, your ARs. If you if you're looking to do this type of fishing, big structure, um, bring plenty of bait. You're going to lose a lot of bait. Um, I I absolutely target the tog on ledges more so than than I would the the larger structures. But you know, the larger structure you're going to hold the sheep's head and the black drum. 
and even the redfish throughout the winter. Um, so I would say that's always a good place to start if you have some live bottom that is, you know, dense, you know, limestone, live bottom um, into rock ledges. You know, those are always good spots to hold these wintering fish because a lot of times, you know, of course, they're going to be out there feeding. They're going to be somewhere where, you know, holds, a, you know, crabs or shrimp throughout the winter. But more so than not, these fish, um, especially the sheep's head and, and black drum and redfish, are going to just be wintering over, you know, so, sort of like a trout in a, in a yacht basin more so. Man, thank you. Thank you, Zane. I, I like the uh, application part of this show. So now, Gene, I'm coming back to you because I think we had two lines. We, you know, you're more than two lines, but we're going to focus on two lines this podcast. Now I have in my notes the ledge tender line. Well, we so actually, let's do the same thing. We actually haven't even brushed the surface, honestly, of our swing jigs. Okay, um, go on, man. Crazy, crazy as that seems. Um, our swing jig lines when we or our swing jig line, not lines. Uh, when our line first run out. We started getting phone calls of, of anglers. Man, we love your jig, but we we really would like to see it this way, or or how can we do it this way, or can you do this, or I like it for drum, but I, I'd rather have something over here, or our fishery doesn't allow for this type of hook. Uh, it's one of the areas we're in, their fishery is real big on circle hooks. So what we've actually done, and and I can show you here, is our swing jig line has actually morphed into different setups so now we offer this line the the original one you saw was a two alt gorilla light we actually offer it and i apologize for my ability to get the camera there we have what we call our tog jig still in the same swing jig lineup same swing jig head okay. but we're offering it with a four alt hook uh we offer it one and a quarter is for the guys like zane that are going off to fish direct that want something heavy they're not really wanting to light tackle what they're doing. They're wanting it to get down and they're wanting to look for tog. Again, it's, it's just a bigger hook, uh, same hook series. It's still a, a live bait hook, but it's a four all hook. Um, the infamous flounder, um, a party in itself. Uh, we only get it a little bit of time now, but some of the guys were saying they wanted something for flounder. So we actually released it with a kill jig. We call our kill jig, comes with a two alt Mustang Gorilla hook. We offer it from quarter to one ounce. Uh, one and a quarter has really not been popular for that, so we don't really pour it that big anymore, however we can. The guy's doing drum and people looking for circle hooks. We released it with a drum hook. So it's a four alt owner SSW circle hook. Same, same head concept, ounce and a quarter with a drum hook. For the guys up around um carolina beach does it a, a little bit um atlantic beach does it a lot but the guys that are fishing for urchins chasing tails requested it so we actually did it with a five alt hook that's a gamagatsu hook for guys fishing for with urchins unpainted is by far the popular uh some of the pictures you see us post at zane sends us or other anglers send us they've gotten colors currently it's nine colors all of our jigs are available in these nine colors. Um, and there's four more colors to come, which is blue, Carolina blue, um, sand, and pumpkin brown. Um, you, only need the pink, colors. you only need the pink one, though. Only need the pink one? You only need the pink one. Maybe we're killing them on orange last year. What in the world? 
So does uh, color make a difference? Or, or is that just for my taste? I just like the idea of dropping down a color weight. I, I don't know. It looks good to me anyway. It, it Honestly, it catches the angler's eye. Um, some people, orange, is, orange and pink are big. Um, for us, as well as watermelon I think and new penny, I think people are looking at the uh, fact of tr trying to match the, the lead to the bait because the bait and lead are so close together. So if you're fishing a, a, a fresh uh, crab, like, like Zane was saying, um, an orange, when you bust that crab open, he's going to be really orange inside. So putting that orange piece of lead basically makes that lead in your head disappear um, to the fish. Hey, I had another thought while you were sort of going through this too, since like this, the different lines sort of involve different hooks. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a tackle guy. I certainly recognize the name owner. Maybe you tell us what makes owner a superior hook. Why go with them? I know you said Gamagatsu too, but it seemed like most of your rigs were owner, owner hooked. We use owner. We use, we use pretty much all manufacturers. Um, we use um, owner for a lot of our live bait stuff. Uh, we use Mustad for our jig hooks. Mustad makes a great 2X strong jig hook. Um, VMC makes great treble hooks. Uh, and we match those when we do our teasers for mirror lures. Uh, we match those because that's the actual hook that uh, mirror lure uses. And we want our teasers to be as close as we can to what mirror lure is using. Um, and, and, but owner, owners got that name. They've got that. They've done a lot of research. They've got a lot of ex extremely nice equipment. Their hooks stay strong. But as far as, as far as the hook that we put on our jig, I, I've always fished an owner live bait hook. I think they make a great live bait hook. Um, they're strong. They're a little bit smaller wire um, in the Gorilla Light series, which for me is big when it comes to being able to get into some of the, especially some of the smaller fiddler crabs that we get, um, is able to get it in there uh, when it comes down to it. With the kale jig, we went back with Mustad. We went with Mustad because Mustad's kale hook is a little bit thicker wire. We wanted something with a little bit thicker wire. When we start, when when I look at hooks, I'm going to pour it. Let's say we decide to do another jig and uh, another swing jig, and, and we're going to do it with a, I don't know, we'll, we'll just go back and touch on the on the drum jig since that was one of the last ones we did. When we did that, we didn't look at just owner. We looked at owner. We looked at Mustad. We looked at VMC. The new hook or the new jig that's coming out, hopefully in 2021, our circle hook jig. Um, it will be tested with all manufacturers of hooks, and whatever hook matches up the best for for the fishability of the of it, as well as the long lasting and and people like Zane that are that are literally putting the the ringer to it is the hook that'll go in the jig. It's not, First Flight Lures is not signed to one hook company. I, I've never been a single hook. You know, I use gammies for flies. I've always tied my, getting my hooks on, my uh, my flies on gammy hooks, and, and that's what we use. I know it's a quality hook. I know it lasts, and I know how well it works for the application, and that's what's big for us. Zane. I'm listening to him talk and you're on the pro staff. 
Give me an example of some feedback you gave Gene that he actually incorporated into a design. Give me one example. Right. Let's see. I think I think the the tall jig. Yeah, um, I uh, the the tall tog have a you know they they, they have sheep that have teeth as well and have a bony mouth, but um, the tog have a have a pretty hard. You know, most of the time you when you're hooking them, it's because you're missing them. Um, you're, you're missing them and you get, they, they have that big rubber lip, but if you actually eat the, eat the jig, you know, you have to be able to bust through that layer of teeth and get into that jaw. Like you have to hook them pretty much in the bone. And, um, you know, these jigs right out the pack, the smaller treat jigs right out the pack will absolutely do that. But like we said before, if you're banging these things against rock and structure, you're going to want something that you can um, that's going to hold that that point on that bigger wire a bit more. And I think that's what you get out of that tall jig um, to, to speak kind of towards what he was saying with the with the owner hooks and and the quality of these jigs. Um, I thought when I first met Gene, I, I came out to check out the shop and and was looking over a couple things and he was talking hooks and rigs. And I will say um, nothing's held back when he's making these things. I don't believe he's looking at price as much. He's looking at what is the best product he can make. And, you know, at first I was a little, you know, thrown back. Cause it's like, okay, man, it, well, it's just a, it's just a lead and, and a hook. And it, it, it truly is, but it's the best combination that you can, you can possibly have. And, and he does that throughout his whole line and there's nothing, you know, this isn't going to fail. You know, he, he's got the quality hook, the, the, the quality wire. You're not going to, I mean, today on this rig, a buddy of mine, um, Ke, uh, Ke, my buddy, Kevin, he, um, he caught it. I would say a 60 pound black drum on these small, this small little hook right here. Um, and that just is a testament right there to the quality of this product. You know, you're not, you're able to crank down that drag and lean into that heavy fish and you're going to, you're going to catch it because you have on uh, the terminal tackle you need to put that fish in the boat. And I think that's what kind of separates this company, you know, away from others, the mainstream larger um, production companies versus a smaller scale custom tackle company is you're going to have the quality that you need to land those quality fish. Well, one, one thing real quick while right after Zane there, if I, if I could, Gary, um, one of the biggest things too, for us is, um, when you start looking at lead and companies that deal in lead, um, a lot of lead is you've got two options to port. You can either hand port or you can bottom port. One of the biggest things for us, and, and I've had some people kind of look at me like I'm crazy. We literally hand pour all these jigs. Um, my fiance does some pouring for me. I, 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 she's probably home by now. I think I heard her pull up a minute ago. But um, she goes out back and hand pours these jigs, same as I do. Um, these jigs are, if there's a wrinkle in the leather, or in the, in the leather, if there's a wrinkle in the lead, um, such as it, pour too slow or something like that. That's not something that's going to go past here. There's a whole tray of jigs over here on the wall that are going to go back for remelt. Um, and when we, what I basically I mean by that is we're going to remelt the lid, 
uh, the wire form goes in the trash. Um, and if we can manage to salvage the hook, we salvage the hook. If not, we just mainly save the lid. But we're not going to pass out a product that I wouldn't buy in the store um, for any reason. Um, and if you ever have a problem with one of our jigs, please call us and let us know. It's not like something gets by. That's just the way it is. But you figure these jigs are hand poured out back right here behind our house. 100% um, hand poured. They're brought inside. They're snipped. They're checked. If they go out for paint, they're checked again before they go out for paint. They're painted. They're checked again and then they're packaged. If they're just um, unpainted, they're checked before they're packaged. So, I mean, they're, some of these jigs are checked five, six, seven times before they ever go out to the customer. Hey, man, I don't know much about tannial, tackle manufacturing at all. So you said you hand pour as opposed to what? Bottom pour? Is that the phrase you used? And so you, you have two options. Um, they make bottom pour pot. And what is hand? Uh, and basically what a pot, bottom pour pot is, is you, you're, you're cooking your lead in a, in a regular pot. Um, once it reaches uh, appropriate temperature, you're moving it over to your bottom pour pot, and essentially you're putting the mold under it and lifting a handle. Uh, when you lift a handle, the lead falls out the bottom of the pot. Um, it works great. We have a bottom pour pot here that we do for um, some of our stuff as far as sinkers, mainly, for, for our like our Lupton rigs and stuff like that. We, we pour all our own sinkers in-house for our Lupton rigs. Um, but even with that, um, I don't think you could talk my fiance into even using the bottom pour pot for that. Um, the traditional way and what we're meaning by hand pouring is we're actually cooking the lead in a pot, getting it up to the appropriate temperature, and we're skimming all this, skim it, all the slag goes off into the side, and then we're hand dipping the lead and pouring it one one at a time into these molds. These, these jigs are made, when we do a, a line of jigs, we do them one at a time. We don't even have production molds. So if you if you call and want quarter through one, we're going to pour one quarter at a time, one half at a time, one three quarter at a time until these jigs are done. So, hey, man, I'm going to give you a version. I'm giving give you, Gene, a version of the question I gave Zane about sort of like feedback and tweak and design. Can you come up with anything that someone has requested or suggested where you thought to yourself, nah, I'm I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> uh, the urchin jig. Uh, I love Matt up at Chasing Tails a lot. When he, uh, I first posed the idea to me. Um, I'll be honest. I really did not think it would work. Um, it is. That's an extremely. Uh, it's hard to really see, but let's see if I can get it. Right. That's an extremely long hook shank. Um, I wasn't a hundred percent sure as to how it was going to work. Um, but we poured it, we tested it, we tried it, we looked at it, we talked to them, um, to give you an idea how that worked. Uh, when that jig actually, we, we did the urchin jig for, for chasing tails. It was poured with a gammy hook, which is what's on it. It was poured with an owner hook and it was poured with a mustad hook and it was sent two chasing tails for them to verify which hook 
they felt would be the best in that jig um, based on their knowledge of urchin fishing because I honestly have no knowledge of it. So I wanted to get as much knowledge as I could before we made an attempt um, at trying to do something that a customer wanted. Um, there's there's little things like it's it's little things a lot of times. Um, the Cobia jig line I had I've had some people come and ask me some really off the wall colors. Um, I've got one behind me um, that they said they wanted it to look like a Tootsie Roll wrapper. I don't know why in the world they wanted. I'll get it. I don't know why in the world they wanted a Cobia jig to look like a Tootsie Roll wrapper. Uh, it took a couple tries, but we actually tied two of them, sent one to the customer, and and kept one for ourselves, so so we could have a, uh, <laughs> I guess a uh, conversation piece for later. Well, Gene and Zane, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news for you. So the good news is, man, this has been a very enlightening conversation about the swing jig, swing jig line, you know, so that's the good news. The bad news is we're out of time, man. We're not even, I know you do way more than that. We had mentioned the ledged tender line. We're going to just make a, make a promise to do that on another episode. And so that's the bad news. We're not even going to get to talk to about a night, but again, I, I love, I love going into detail on a smaller topic. I'm glad that this episode worked out that way. Um, well, before I, really I take, taking the time to, to talk to us. Yeah, man. And I tell you what, like usually at the end of the episode, I ask the captain, tell me sort of what they're up to. So why don't you, and I don't want you to run through the whole gamut. We don't want to hear the whole catalog line, but Gene, why don't you give me a couple of lures that we would want to look at for the upcoming spring and then Zane, I'm going to go to you after Gene, and you tell me about some of your winter fishing, and then what you're excited about in the spring. All right, Gene, you first. All right. Well, I'll, I'll lead it off. Um, we're rolling into uh, the the first of the year here, um, and the biggest thing is cobia jigs. Um, we offer our cobia jig line um, of natural bucktails. Uh, to cast and, and catch some cobia, we offer them in uh, two different sizes and three different lines. Uh, but that's our biggest thing right now is cobia because it takes so long to get them tied. Uh, they are hand tied here in the shop. Uh, outside of that, pompano jigs, um, they're going to be, as, as we get into early spring, that's going to be huge. Our pompano jig line, uh, our bonita jig line, bonita's going to come around again. Uh, we have a, a bonita jig as well. Uh, and then we have our Spanish line, our Mylar jigs that we throw for Spanish or troll for Spanish. Um, most of our stuff is casting. We don't do a lot of trolling, but most of our stuff is casting. But Bonita jig line and Spanish jig line can kind of coincide. Uh, and we're just ending up our, our fall fishing, winter, our early winter fishing with the, with the drum rigs and stuff. We hand tie, all, uh, hand tie all our own drum rigs here. So. How about it, Zane, man? What are you fishing for through the winter? And then what has you most excited about the spring? All right. So I guess, you know, wintertime, I'm, I'm spending most of my time targeting the, the tall tog and the sheep's head and the black drum near shore. Um, I'm doing most of that fishing with the swing jigs. Occasionally, I'll use the ledge tender jigs as well. Um, do a little striper fishing if uh, you'd, you'd be interested in. And, you know, the, the wintertime um, – drum and and sheep's head fishing is just starting to kick off you know january is when it starts getting good so if you'd like to you know join in on that you can go to falling tide fish, fishing adventures uh, dot com and and look into booking a trip 
Um, for the spring, I, I'm also really looking forward to the um, Atlantic Bonito. Hopefully we have them as thick this year as we did last year, as well as, um, you know, your, your near shore flounder fishing, which I think we hit on a little bit. These kale swing jigs caught all of the near shore flounder that we, that we caught on, um, you know, on my char boat this year. And it, it's something that um, I think if you enjoy targeting flounder near shore, it's really something you should look into. If you're, if you're not bumping artificials, if you're, if you're doing the live bait um, deal, that's what you need to have on the boat um, with the Bonita and, you know, as well as the Spanish, I'm, I'm using these, uh, these small Mylar Spanish jigs. Um, I, I'll jig some metal as well, but there was definitely days, you know, at the areas that those fish show up. And if you know those areas, you know, those areas, if not, um, maybe you can, um, find them out. But, um, the, this one right here without the Mylar on it, um, 100% I was out there with 30, 40 boats that stack out there on the weekends and me and the other guy that were fishing those were the ones catching the Bonito. Sometimes they don't want the shiny metal. Sometimes they need something a little more subtle, but um, that's, you know, we're targeting sheep's head as well as in the spring, but you know, that's pretty much what we got. Man, thank you guys both. I've been, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. I got I wanted to learn more about First Flight Lures. Gene, you know, we met before, done a product review, but just wanted to have a more in-depth conversation. And Zane, it's been a long time, but certainly remember hanging out with you in the past too. Man, Absolutely. thank you guys. Thank you guys. We're going to have you back on again and uh, appreciate your time tonight. Well, yeah, appreciate thanks, it. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us, Gary. Appreciate, appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, man. So, Billy, What's that brings up, me Gary? to you. All right, man. I'm, I'm in it. I'm in it. I had a lot of takeaways because I didn't know anything about those jigs they were talking about. So I took away an education. However, what piqued my curiosity the most was somebody out there has potentially caught a cobia on a Tootsie Roll. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm curious. Like They got me curious with that color of lure. So, um, yeah, man, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's not a good takeaway, but that's a, piqued my curiosity of the whole conversation. I'm like, I learned a lot about these jigs, but that Tootsie Roll has got me curious. I have it here <laughs> if you want to see it. If you can come back to us. <laughs> oh, you, oh, yeah, you yeah, something. Here we go. There it is. So, did they catch anything on it? I guess that's my follow-up question. I, I don't know. I, I I've never heard anything back, but it definitely <laughs> uh, definitely is interesting. That's funny, man. Well, oh, Billy, man. I'll tell you. I'll t this isn't my segment, but I'm going to tell you my best takeaway. I mean, somehow Gene has his fiance pouring lead. Like I'm thinking, man, is that going to change when he gets married? Is that just <laughs> a good fortune on his part? Like I'm trying to think of the comparison to me and my marriage and I'm not, I'm not quite sure I see it. So good for, good for Gene. Good for the fiance. That's my takeaway. Yeah. Where's my wife? My wife isn't here. She ain't working for me. You won't even watch a podcast. I can't even get my wife to watch my own podcast and his fiance's out there pouring lead. Oh yeah. That's true love, man. True love. Well, Gary, it's been a great episode. Marine warehouse. Thank you guys so much once again for uh, sponsoring the podcast and uh, yeah, man, we'll see you next week. All right, Billy next week. All right, man. See ya. Yeah,